but hey, let's, 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 let's get into it. If you're just joining us, and this is kind of, you know, maybe a, a new, we're going through Galatians, which, and we're going through Galatians, a series called Religion Ruins Everything. And I know that may sound funny because isn't Christianity religion? Uh, yes and no. I mean, yeah, you know, we have a, a set of, but, but it's a, what's interesting is it's really a take on, on, on how we can then take something as believers. We can take, take a, you know, relationship, we take Jesus, then we can just keep adding to it. Well, Jesus wants this, and so I'm just going to, like, make sure that this happens. And if this doesn't happen, if people don't look this way or talk this way or think this way, then they're definitely not in. And so we start kind of creating these, like, this hierarchy of, of, good, of, of good Christians. So Paul, when he's writing this letter to Galatians, he's got this whole region of churches that he's writing to. Not, not, not one town or one church, but a whole region. And, and he, he visited this region, and he set up some churches in this region, and all of a sudden he catches wind that these guys have not just accepted their gospel, but they've, they've added to it. They've, they've, in their eyes, made it better, right? Because he, he preached the gospel. Jesus, the gospel simply means the good news of Jesus. That's, that's what it means. And so he, he preached that, and then this, the church kept adding to it. So he's like, I got to address this thing. So he writes this letter. And so if you've been a part of any, any of our other sermons, you'll, you'll know that he, he addresses, you know, hey, how could you turn away so easily? He talks about, you know, the, the church, like, hey, we, we, were, we were good. We were here. We were right here. And then you just kind of like kept turning away and adding things. He's like, guys, get back on track. And then last week he kind of talked about how Paul is like, hey, I was, I was once one of these, these Pharisees, one of these religious leaders that kept adding things to it. But then Jesus got a hold of me. And now I'm just preaching the same gospel that, that, that Jesus preached. And so he kind of gives a personal story. And now we get Paul to a whole different phase. And we kind of get to that, that point. You remember the old TV shows when they would, there'd be either like a dream sequence or there'd be like a jump into the future, you know, where they kind of have the wavy lines, like, and then it's like 14 years later. That's where we start. Okay, Galatians 2 starts out with then 14 years later. So we're, just, just, we're jumping ahead. So if you're following along, Galatians 2, pull out your Bible, either digital or physical, whichever way you have, and we'll, we'll, we'll take a look. It'll be on the screen there as well. Uh, if you just want to read, go ahead. I'm going to read Galatians 2, 1 through 5. Here we go. Then 14 years later, after the dream sequence graphic, 14 years later, I went to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who had seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running or had run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you there's a lot in there there's a lot going on there we got we got we got Paul heading to talk to the the disciples so he's on this he's on this journey if you if you read parts of Acts before knowing anything about Paul's life. He, he's gone on these things they call the missionary journeys, Paul's missionary journeys. This is what he's describing. So you read about it like in Acts, and then he's referencing it in, in this book where he's, he's bringing his buddy Barnabas with him. And, and, and he, he's, they're, they're going, but they're going to talk to the disciples with a purpose. He brings Titus. 
intentionally, not because Titus is good company or has good conversation. He may be both of those things, but they bring him because specifically he is Greek, not Jewish, and he is a believer. Now, at first you're thinking, okay, well, I don't, I don't understand you know, what that has to do with anything, but it has everything to do with, with, with what's happening here. It's very, very important because Titus represents the very thing that, that Paul is worried the disciples have fallen trap or fallen into, like, like the trap that they've gone into. He thinks that Titus will then represent that danger. You see, because the church is, 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 is at a point now where, where there's a potential for a split. Right when this thing started, there's a potential for a split already. So they bring Titus, who is not circumcised, and what that, why that matters is because the circumcision is just that the represent, is what Jewish, the Jewish religion did to show that they were good, that they were a good Jew, that they were, they were, they were tracking, that they, they had, so they would get circumcised. Not an issue we deal with today, right? Don't care. But these, they, it was everything to them, and that meant that they were adding, they were adding works, a works-based religion to the gospel. That's what was going on. And in fact, we read it in, in Acts 15. I'll read you a couple of verses here. We're actually from, from the Pharisees themselves. Here's what they were arguing in Acts 15, verse 1 and verse 5. I'll read verse 1 now. But some men came down in Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. So, so your salvation is at stake here. Also, verse 5, same, same chapter. But some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise, to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. It is necessary. Like you have to do this thing. This is what you have. You can't just put your faith in Jesus and believe that he, he died for your sins. You have to add these acts to it, these, these, these works. You add to that. And then once you do that, then you are saved. So you got your faith in Jesus plus these works equal, oh, you're saved. Not just Jesus. Not just Jesus. It's Jesus plus other stuff. Now, we're not guilty of that as a church today, right? We don't, we don't add things to our words you have to do or not to do. Sometimes we do, actually. Sometimes we do. But what's well, interesting, so Titus comes into this because they, they, they want to know, okay, are they going to, are, are Paul's asking himself, okay, are they going to require him to get circumcised? Because if they do, we got a problem. If, if the disciples are saying, oh, great, he put his faith in Jesus, but, you know, he should probably, like, get circumcised as well. I know he's not, but he should probably do that as well. Then we got a real problem. We got two sects of Christianity now. We got Paul, and then we got the disciples, and they're not teaching the same thing. So Paul, Paul is stressed. He's stressed heading to this, heading to this meeting. Not, you know, he, he, he's not stressed because he's going to somehow be convinced of you know, whatever they're, they're buying. He's not, he's not convinced about that, but you have, you have Paul saying, like this, it's, it's, it's faith in Jesus alone, through grace alone, is, is, what, is what saves you. It doesn't matter your culture, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter anything other than if you're saved, like you put your faith in Jesus, that's what matters. Nothing else matters. Then you got, the, the, on the other side, the Jewish leaders are saying, oh, oh sure, yeah, yeah, that, that, that Jesus stuff's great, but, but you gotta have Jesus plus these, these things. And those things just happen to be 
some of like the parts of their Jewish religion that, that, that they liked. So they're kind of picking and choosing, right? They're kind of picking and choosing. So, so you, have this, you have these two sides and, and you had a potential for, for a problem. And what one commentator said it like this. I, th- I thought it was great the way, the way they put it. They said, they said, nothing was threatening Paul's certainty, but something was threatening Paul's fruitfulness. See, Paul's, Paul's certainty wasn't, wasn't at stake. He wasn't gonna waver, but, but his, his, the fruitfulness was, meaning it would be so much harder to spread the gospel if these disciples have, have bought what these other guys are selling. And so, so I mean, the, the, it's not too hyperbolic, I think, to say like, like the Christianity kind of as, as, as we know it like was kind of teetering right there. Because can you imagine Paul versus the disciples, like what that would look like? I mean, so, you know, thankfully that didn't happen, but that's in Paul's mind. He didn't know the end of the story. Paul doesn't have the book. You know, he's not reading, uh, you know, the, how it all ends up. He's, he's living it. And so he's sitting here like, okay, this is a real, this is a real thing. Hope these guys didn't, didn't. So we're going to bring Titus. Titus is like, you know, kind of the, the, our little, you know, test, litmus test. They tell him he's got, he's got to, he's got to get circumcised. And okay, we're, then we got a problem on our hands. Now, verse six here says this, that, that, um, and from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to, to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. In other words, crisis averted. They agreed. They all agreed. They're like, great. Okay, Titus is in. Great, he's in. And, you know, Paul's, I, I can just see that, you know, that, that pregnant pause of like, anything else? Nope. It's great. Okay, good. We're good. We're good. And, and what's interesting here too is you, you get this language here in six. Sounds snarky because if any of us like said things this way, it would be weird. Like, you know, and, and those, who, uh, those who seemed influential, you know, the, those who seemed influential, it's almost like a dig, like they thought they were influential, but they're not. Really, it's not a dig. It just kind of reads that way with the Greek. It's really just referring to like those disciples that were the decision makers, that were the ones who had the most influence, the ones that had the most sway, the ones that people look up to. Those, those are the ones that he's going to. So he's going to like, you know, the big dogs, John, you know, John, Peter, those guys. Like, so he's just saying, hey, I talked to these guys and we're good. So Titus is good. So at that, at that point, you have, you have Paul relieved. You have, you know, a gospel that unites, that unites races, that unites nations, that, that they have that commonality there that, that is, is, you know, Christianity is, is one that like the apostles were, were holding to that good doctrine and, and they could together, they could together keep sharing the gospel. And here's a great kind of vision of it in verse seven says that uh, on the contrary, uh, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel uh, to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted to the gospel uh, was with the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for the uh, apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who, se- who seemed to be pillars perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles 
and they to the circumcised. So this moment is great, beautiful moment of unity there. We're just saying, you, you guys, you guys have a different calling. Clearly, Paul, you and Barnabas have a calling to, to, uh, to those that, that are not circumcised, those that are not Jewish. That is your calling. Like, we acknowledge it. We support it. We love it. Go for it, just like the other disciples' calling was to the Jews, trying to let them know that your Messiah had come that Jesus was the Messiah and that you were saved through him. And so you have this moment where they both agree we are sharing the same gospel but reaching out to different people. And it is, it is it, 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 again, I've said it before, but I'm saying there's, there's, no, there's no race, there's no gender, there's no ethnicity, there's, no, there's, there's, there's nothing. It's all faith in Jesus alone. It's period. No, 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 you know, add-ons, no, no bonus thing. It, I, what I, I love, like, seeing little subcultures that have, like, niches of, uh, of people who can reach that demographic because they are that demographic. You know, it's the, it's the, you, you see the, um, you know, there's, I know there's, like, a, they have a, a cool, like, biker church here, here in Ben where you got, like, you know, bikers reaching bikers, the guys with, like, you know, the cut-off sleeves, they, you know, cut-off sleeves, they have guns, tattoos, the whole bit, and they're, like, they're like, you know, reaching each other, sharing the gospel to each other because only they could. I couldn't. If I showed up at the biker church, I think I've told you the story when I had a scooter, I tried to do the biker wave and <laughs> that didn't turn out well. Like, I can't reach those people. They're not my people. Spoiler alert. Okay? But you have, I know there, there's like, there's these like, you know, they have uh, organizations, Athletes in Actions or Fellowship of Christian Athletes where you have athletes reaching athletes and there's that kind of, that commonality that they all share, that they share the gospel in a way There's the same gospel that we preach, but it, it's unique that a way an athlete understands it. Or you see even our denomination, we have, when we get together as a, as a, as a group with our denomination, you've got some folks that you just, you look at them, you're like, okay, I know where you do ministry. Like, you know, you're, you're a farmer reaching the cowboys out and, you know, there's a great pastor from Maupin. There's one that's a logger in, in, a, in, in a Swiss home and, and they, it's a logger reaching a logger and he shares the gospel so passionately and so beautifully. It's like, but I couldn't reach those loggers. I mean, it's just, it's, I have the beard for it, but nothing else. <laughs> nothing else. If I sh- I'd probably show up with like an electric chainsaw and they would just, what are you doing? Get out of here. They just kick me out. Now, now I can now I can relate I can relate to uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Power Team, you know they like rip phone books in half for Jesus and like bend bars. Or, those are my people. So I get <laughs> I got a ton of street cred with those guys. Um, you don't know what a, you know what a phone book is, right? It's like a bunch of paper that people's phone numbers are on that are probably outdated. Anyway, it's, it used to be a thing, uh, <laughs> right? Like when's the last time you saw a phone book? It's crazy. Um, but but it's but the, 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 what we're trying to show here is that is that that there are niches that we have, and I think I think areas that you have are people you can reach that only that only you can reach because of where you are because of the things how God's gifted you or or the places He's put you in or the experiences that you've gone through where you can reach people that that others can't, but you can share the same gospel but in a way that that only that, that you and the the people in that sphere can relate to and maybe God has you where you are to reach that certain demographic, maybe. I'm gonna say maybe, I said 100% he does. <laughs> you, just, you just gotta move on it, right? That, 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 that's where we're at. So, so, so Paul faced some challenges, and that's, that's kind of what we wanna unpack a little bit. He faced challenges when, when sharing the gospel or when going to do it. And so I wanna, the first point I wanna get across is this, that our commitment to the gospel will be tested through our understanding of the Bible. 
Our commitment to the gospel will be tested through our understanding of the Bible. It is so important, church, that we are in God's word, that we understand it, that we're the ones taking time, that we're not just sitting there saying, what do you got for me? Like we can't make church the only time where we engage with scripture. In one way, shape, or form, we've got to be in it. I'm responsible for my walk. For my, I'm responsible for my consumption of scripture. It's not gonna be force-fed. I gotta put the time in. And I just wanna encourage you in one way, shape, or form. I'm not saying it's a 30-minute devotion every single morning with like the birds chirping and the sun shining and your coffee there and all that, like this perfect, beautiful moment. Like that would be great. But like if you have little kids, like it just doesn't work. Like your little kid's like, what you doing? What are you doing? And you're like, I'm trying to learn how to love your kids. And like, they're just like... <laughs> I've had some moments where I'm just glad there were no cameras on it where I'm like, I'm trying to do my devotions, be quiet. You know, I'm like, okay, I missed it. I missed the point. But, but it's good, to, we have to be consuming the Bible somehow. Somehow, whether well, there, there's so many ways listening to it, podcasts, you know, uh, reading it physically just at certain times, but like we're gonna be led astray and we're gonna be, we're gonna be compromised if we don't take the time to be in it. And so the, ch- the, 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 the challenges we're going to face are going to be doctrinal challenges. What does the Bible say about this? What does God think about that? If we're not in it, we're just basing whatever we think based on what someone says. And you may have reliable, godly people in your life that, that can answer, but, but maybe, maybe not. So I just want to encourage you, you know, read it, discuss it, consume it somehow. There's so many great ways to do that, be it a Bible app or a, a audio or however, we, we just, we can't afford not to. We, we, we can't afford not to. And so our, our challenges are gonna come doctrinally, like through, through doctrine, through, through challenging of our doctrine. Paul's, Paul had faced challenges like that. That's the whole book of Galatians. One of the main things is people were compromising the gospel. And he knew that because he knew, he knew the gospel. He knew what it was. So when something else came in there, it didn't smell right. He, he could point it out right away. And I just hope that I'm able to do the same when something comes in because I'm spending time in God's word. The second way that it, that it uh, creeps in is, is uh, oh, actually, let, let, let me get, uh, talk about this first. I almost missed this. This is a good illustration. I read this illustration this week, um, revisiting um, C.S. Lewis's uh, Mere Christianity. He has a great, a great illustration where he says this about, about a map. Now, you remember what a map is, right? It's like those things like paper that like, tells you where you can go or things that are like, you know, where things are. We, we used to use them a lot. I got one for my high school graduation, Atlas of like, you know, the country, so I could, you know, go places and all that kind of stuff. It's great. It's great. Well, well, well C.S. Lewis relates uh, a map to our, to theology, mere Christianity. Here's what he says. He says this. Now, theology is like a map. Merely learning and thinking about it, about Christian doctrines, if you stop there. Now, here's what, here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. Nobody takes you over to their house and shows you pictures of the map they were looking at about where they wanted to go. They don't, right? Hey, we were thinking about this great trip to the Grand Canyon. Look, that's where we would have turned if we would have gone. Okay, now, if we would have gone this rate and turned, we would have had an awesome view right there. You know, like, do you see what we're saying? Like, it's, it's to know where to go, to know how to get there, doesn't compare to actually going there and actually moving. And so when C.S. Lewis is, is painting this picture, it's like, theology is great and we need to know it, but we have to act on it. We have to take that theology, that, that, that knowledge that we have, and then put it into practice. We have to act on the things that we know. And so the next point there is that the application of sound theology protects against heresy. 
the application of sound theology protects against heresy. Because if we're, there's something about that applied learning, right? Teachers, you, you, you know how it works. Like applied learning, it just sticks. And you get it and you understand it. So, so we look at the scriptures and we, we, we see, okay, God wants us to love, you know, lo- love him and love our neighbor. Okay, great. How can I love my neighbor? Okay, God, give me an opportunity to, like, to, to show us love. We have those kind of things are happening. And so we have to be people who are not just, we don't just understand it but we actually live it and we actually do it. That's, that's very, very important. So, the, so the, Paul faces a doctrinal challenge. Second thing he faces is a cultural challenge. You see, the culture there of the, of, in Judaism, they were, they were wanting to, to take this culture they had, this hierarchy of the religious stuff, and, and really you know, have that be manipulating and be uh, driving kind of some of this ideology and, and, and change, change them that way. And I would say that we face a ton of challenges culturally, like, like, spoiler alert, like, Christianity's not cool. Like, cool meaning, like, it's not popular. The, 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 what the Bible teaches is not always, it's not, it's not, it's not always and rarely is it the popular opinion of our, of our culture. If we're living the way Jesus wants us and the Bible puts out, we're not gonna be, we're not gonna be, you know, Time Magazine's person of the year. If we, if we want that, I don't know. But it's, it's, it's you know, but, but what culture, because culture seeks to find the fulfillment. They, they try and find security. We try and find meaning through culture, identity through culture, and, satisfy, and, and it seems like culture keeps pointing back to just your, your self-gratification. It's, 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 it was true, like it judges, it says this a few times. They have a, 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 a couple of verses that describe the times, and it says this in Judges, that, that in those days... There was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That seems to be pretty relevant today, right? That's, it's, it's human nature. Without God, God, we just do whatever seems right to me. If it, if it satisfies a need I think I have, if, it, if it, it's that self-gratification, we, just, we naturally gravitate there. And I, I feel like our culture does that, where, where culture, it normalizes sin, and it demonizes, it demonizes you know, a biblical truth. It, it, it mocks Believers that they would think that somehow this place would be created intentionally and by, by an intelligent being. It belittles those for, for holding to a, a, a moral value. There's, there's the, 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 we cannot look to the culture to be our savior. We can't look to the culture to, to bring us fulfillment because it, it just will not happen. What I, what I want us to get is this, that Jesus alone satisfies what culture searches for. We will find purpose. We will find meaning. We will find rest in Jesus. We, we, we will find that in him. And what, what's, what's great when we do that is we have a bond. But like Christians have a bond that is stronger and more unifying than anything else. When you, when you say, I'm a Christian, that means I'm a Christ follower. First and foremost, my life is dedicated to living this way. I, I, I've had the, the privilege to travel a few places uh, in, in just in, through our missions here. And I remember going to, to Papua New Guinea and, and just sitting with, with uh, some locals there look very different than me weird and they're you know they're they're kind of you know they're kind of poking the beard and kind of like what is that you know and it's like it's like that looks so different but like i i sat down with believers in papua new guinea living live in the jungle like like and and i i probably have more in common with a, a papua new guinea believer 
than I do with, with an unbelieving neighbor whose kids are the same school, you know, same, same street, all that, because we live our lives with a whole different focus and a whole different like, center, which is Jesus Christ. The gospel unifies in a way that, 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 that nothing else can. And I would say that the gospel is the single greatest unifier in the world. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter any. None of that matters. Jesus accepts all of us how we are. Now, once we allow Jesus in our life, he changes us. And there will be life change. There should be life change. But Jesus accepts all his faith in him alone through his grace and, and really the best way to summarize comes out of Ephesians. Comes out of Ephesians, this. And, and, and he says it in, in one of his other letters. It, it, just, it just says it so great. This is, the, this is a, it's a well-known verse. It says this, that for grace, you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, just look at that verse right there. It is by grace that we've been saved through our faith in Jesus. I can't, I can't add things to that to like get me like a higher, you know, higher standing. Like, like can you imagine how good you'd have to be to, to get to, like deserve to get to heaven? Like how good, well, you have to be so much better than me and so much better than you. And like, we're just not gonna, we're, we're not gonna be there because we're, we're, we're flawed. We're all flawed. We'd have to be perfect and we're not, right? So, so the whole point of it is Jesus saves us. We can't earn it. Because if I earned it, if I did something good, and if I memorized X amount of verses, and if I dressed a certain way, I could say, like, look how amazing I am. I earned this. Sometimes we, we treat God like he's some sort of, like, coffee punch card, you know, that if I get 10, I get, I get in. You know, like, hey, I did this, punch my card. You know, and then like all of a sudden we get, like, 10 punches. Like, I'm in, God. You owe me that free one. And, and, and as much as we don't want to admit it, that creeps into our, into our thinking. And I'm just here to tell you, it is, it is by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus that we get there. And that is, that is a great feeling. Worship team's gonna, the worship team's gonna come out. We have, we're gonna do communion. Uh, we're gonna spend some time in, in communion and we're gonna spend some time um, in, in song. But I, the last point is this. And I want you to take this home with you, that the gospel is complete and gives us freedom from trying to earn God's favor. What a relief. Right, what a, what a, what a, what a burden off our shoulders that, that, that I don't have to add to this thing. The good news of Jesus, the good news that he like asked, that he died for me, like, like I don't have to like carry this weight of, of my own righteousness that somehow, some way by me being really good that I can get in there, but also if I somehow mess up, I'm out. Like there's that, there's that freedom that comes in that. And I want you to really, to really think about that. Are you, are you taking on the burden of your own righteousness? Or are you saying, are you saying it, is, it is by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus, that, that I am accepted and that I can even have God's favor? Because let me tell you, if, 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 if we're getting in on our own righteousness, that's not the gospel. We're adding to the gospel and guilty the very thing that Paul was addressing. We're gonna, we're gonna take some time and really look at what Jesus did. The, what he did on the cross and what he instructed us to do to remember that. But before we do, uh, we're, we're gonna take some time and just, and we're, and we're gonna sing. And that's, you know, sometimes we, we, call, we call it worship. It's, it's a time where we get to sing to God and, and it, it's like a prayer 
to him. So I want to just encourage you as we sing this song, as you start reflecting on that grace that God has that can't be earned, but, but rather is just a gift, I want you just to be thinking in your own life that, that have, you, have you embraced that? Do you understand that? Or are we living that? And, and maybe what are some things that you can do as gratitude towards God for saving you? What are some things you can do? So would you stand and let's continue to worship.